Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. From Stonewall to marriage equality, 50 years of pride. I'm Sweetina Kakar, and my guest is Victoria Cruz, gay rights activist, retired domestic violence counselor, and in 1969, front and center at the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village. Hi, Victoria. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Uh, So before we jump into the era of Stonewall, I want to kind of get a gist of who you are and where you've come from. Um, You were born in Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico in a little town called Guanica. Mm -hmm. And then you moved to Brooklyn at a very young age. Yes, we came here. Well, I'm part of 11 children. I'm third from the oldest. And um, after the Korean War, my father with that bootstrap program Mm -hmm. came for to make life better for us to New York City. And we lived in Red Hook. And at a very young age, you realized that you weren't a boy. You were born a boy. Mm-hmm. And and what was that like, especially at that time? What were you thinking? How did you know? I knew I was different. Mm-hmm. You know, I played around with dolls. I also played boy games, too, like marbles and tops. But I always knew that I wanted to be a girl. What were your next steps when you realized, okay, I want to be a girl? Did you think, oh, I can't be? Or how was that journey of yours? Well, the journey of mine was that in the mid-60s when I started going to uh, high school. I went Mm -hmm. to a vocational high school, which Mm -hmm. was Metropolitan Vocational High School. And part of their program was hairdressing. Mm -hmm. So I just went into hairdressing. And did the students say anything to you? Well, if they did, I pay them really no mind. But at the same time, uh, some of the um, the students there didn't take any bull okay. from anybody. Yeah. And growing up in Red Hook, you know, like you you, were you, tough. you you learned to fight. Yeah, you had to right to defend yourself. And I come from six brothers, and they didn't want to mess around with the cruises. Yeah, and uh, I held my own. And were you? dressing like a girl then or were you still not comfortable in your skin what was well being that I was in hairdressing Mm -hmm. and then the Beatles started coming out and music was changing and hair was being worn long 
and Twiggy and all those things. So I started more or less in that androgynous look mm -hmm. at school. And then I found out about hormones. I had a 24-inch waist. I was a stripper. I was a dancer. Uh, let's face it. It's not the body I got now, but, you know. <laughs> and you had long, beautiful hair. I had long, beautiful hair. I changed my hair color every, every time I wanted to. I was blonde. I was red. I had frostings. You name it, I wore it at that time. How did your time. family take that? At first... My mother took it harder than my father, but at the same time, like, you know, she had 11 kids. <laughs> Something had to give. Yeah, right. <laughs> but she was really very supportive. Okay. She and, was very supportive. And so you are a native, I would say you're a native New Yorker being yes. here for so long. Um, you can just go anywhere in New York to feel safe, could you? Well, during that time, yeah. it, it was, you know, like, I think now it's much more harder. Okay. But back then, you know, outside of the police harassing you, you could have gone to wherever you wanted to go. Okay. You would go to after hours, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky that I was petite. And I didn't really get red. Mm -hmm. Except if I opened my big mouth <laughs> when I saw something that I, I thought was an injustice. Right. But I didn't have much problems having, you know, getting red or things like that. So it was easy for you to go around. So why would you come to from Brooklyn to Greenwich Village? Well, we had we had in Red Hook we also had, you know, clubs and bars and social clubs where mm -hmm. I hung out also. Yeah. But I found the city more exciting. When I've spoken to other people, they said that Christopher Street had a certain type of feel, a feel of safeness, a feel of home. Do you feel that you had that same feeling when you were on Christopher Street? On Christopher Street, yeah, because you were among people like you, mm -hmm. you know. Even though sometimes, you know, you get your, you, you got read by other gay people in, mm -hmm. at the same time because we can be our own worst enemy. Yeah. And, uh, but it was safe. It was wonderful. Everybody felt free. It was jovial. And um, it was comfortable. So would you visit often? Uh, most of the weekends, yes. That was the place to be. Most of the weekends, the village was the place to be. And was Stonewall a place that you would visit often as well? Would that be the it bar? Well, Stonewall was the it bar, so was the gold bug, mm -hmm. so was the tenth of always. So paint that era for me, 69 and 70. What did you look like? What did you see? How was life for you then? 6970 I had graduated high school early 67 so I was already experimenting with hormones and looking femme mm -hmm. letting my hair grow I had little you know my breast was growing mm -hmm. also and then I was looking feminine and real and uh, I wasn't a down person mm -hmm. I smoked pot you know yeah. and uh, to me it was really liberating I was living my life I wanted to live with you know, dancing in clubs, dressing like I wanted to dance. The styles were fantastic. You know, you, you experimented with makeup, eyelashes on top, on bottoms. It was while going to drag balls and things like that. And how were the cops then? Did you feel safe around them? 
Not in particularly with some cops. Mm -hmm. We always knew the cops that were friendly to us. Like on Christopher Street, there was this cop called Charlie. Mm -hmm. He was very nice. And at the same time, on Christopher Street and 7th Avenue, there was this cop named Frank who was a really son of a bitch. Okay. During that time, you weren't allowed to give homosexuals alcohol. Yeah. Because they were deviant. Right. And there was a lot of time when... Even in drag, even face drag, mm -hmm. Sylvia got arrested for female impersonation from the shoulder up. Yeah. And uh, the only time that it felt really safe to be out in drag was in Halloween. What about inside the clubs that did give you guys liquor? Inside the club that did give us liquor, we had to have at least three articles of clothing that pertain to your birth sex. Oh, Okay. If you didn't have three articles of clothing, you were thrown out or you were taken away. So what would those clothing articles be? Like shoes, pants, and shirts. Okay. But then when dungarees and T-shirts was the, the fab or sandals, you know, yeah. and a lot of the girls, in, especially the lesbians, if they weren't strapped down to cover their breasts, the cops would come in and raid the bars and they would run their hands down um, behind their backs, yeah. and if they had a bra on, they would pull the bra strap back that with that heavy elastic, yeah. and let it go. So we would call that. Well, she's getting a Robin Hood, meaning that you know yeah. you pull the arrow and mm -hmm. you let. One of the most famous raids that people still talk about today that changed everything was Stonewall. Yes, were you there that night? I wasn't inside. Mm -hmm. I was outside because I was stalking Frankie. <laughs> the reason was that he worked Thursday night yeah. and didn't come home. Oh. So I knew he was cheating on me with Sylvia's friend. Ugh, so me and man. Sylvia didn't get along too well. You know, yeah. was, there was always a tit-for-tat mm -hmm. rivalry. Yeah. And I went to work, and after work, I got out and said, oh, I'm going to pick him up tonight, and he's coming home with me. Yeah. Well, you got to take what's yours. So it's what's mine, <laughs> I'm claiming it. Yeah. And I waited outside 55 Christopher Street, which is which is the stoop. Yeah. About two doors down from Stonewall. Right now what Stonewall looks like now is actually the mirror image of what Stonewall used to be. Your Stonewall used to be the two storefronts. Yeah. And as you walked in was the bar. Mm -hmm. The place now the, where the bar is now was used to be the dance floor. Oh, okay. So it's a mirror image Which of what the bar used to look like. Okay. And um, I went and I sat down by that stoop, knew that Frankie had to be in by 9 o'clock to yeah. perform his job at yeah. the door as a bouncer. And he saw me and he came over to me and says, is you coming home with me? I'm staying here till the bar closes and we're going home together. <laughs> So he wanted me to go home. He yeah. says, no, I'm not. I'm waiting here. So yeah. ever, you know, once in a while he would come out and still look to see if He's I was still, still there. there. And of course I was there. You were waiting and for your man. Yeah, that <laughs> night was like, I, don't, I think it's like no other night because Judy Garland had just been buried. Yeah. And uh, it was really hot. Okay. And not a breeze. No air. It was like a stifling hot, humid. And very quiet. It wasn't jovial like the rest of the Friday, Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. It was like the storm, bef the the calm before the storm. Mm -hmm. And then around twelve, twelve thirty, sometimes like that, 
we saw the cops in the paddy wagons. Okay. And they went into the stone wall. I wasn't inside. I heard some commotions inside after everything had happened. We sat down and talked to a tree, stormy. Yeah. Uh, and I found out that there was a commotion inside with the. Uh, with Stormy mm -hmm. that one cop broke a pill and wanted Stormy to step on it because oh there was some, some sort of evidence that she had drugs on her shoes things like that oh yeah, and she, she got pushed and she fought him and took three cops to get her oh. off of him but there was a commotion inside right. um, they started bringing people out yeah I saw Ms. Majors get into the paddy wagon. Mm. I heard later on that she had been punched at Oof. the bar. And when a lesbian came out and she got punched by a cop, that's when the shit hit the fan. It hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> and people started screaming and yelling and this and that. And I knew Sylvia was at Sheridan Square Park. Uh -huh. And from the area where she was with her group, I saw a brick. Okay. It wasn't a shoe. It was a brick mm -hmm. that broke the window. After that, more rocks and bottles started oh, to fly. Well, what was that feeling like? That intensity? I says, I says, well, okay. It's going down tonight. Okay. And then the cops ran inside and people started banging on the door and throwing things at the door. And some Molotov cocktails came. I was wondering when the 6th Precinct was going to come over mm -hmm. or there were more recruits was going to come. And um, it didn't happen. Okay. For about five, ten minutes, you know, people were banging on the door, throwing things at the bar. And then we, they got more recruits. When the recruits came, people started, you know, backing off a little bit. And the cops started coming with their riot gears yeah. and all. And we started to, you know, back away. And we walked, well, we, we ran, we trotted yeah. down 7th Avenue yeah. and made a right on 10th Street. Okay. Where Julius was. Yes. Then from 10th Street, we made another right on Waverly. Yeah. And Waverly came down to Christopher. So it's like a keystone comedy because now instead of the cops chasing us, we were chasing the cops. But the only thing when we turned Christopher Street, there were cars on fire and garbage pills on fire. So Frankie says, you know, this is getting really out of hand. Let's go home. Because when Frankie saw the cops coming in, yeah. he, he was, he was, you know, maybe it's a good thing that I was there because he was looking out to see if I was still there. Yeah. He came over to me and says, I think that we're going to get raided tonight. Yeah. And usually that the cops would come off on, on Friday yeah. and get their brown bags. Okay. What are brown, brown bags? Brown bags was payoff. Okay. They used to collect the brown bags, bags and money, money. Into, mm -hmm. inside the brown bags. And we went home and we turned on the news and it was on the news. Well, yeah, it was a big the night. Ride on, the ride on Christopher Street. When you were there and you were watching it all happen, was... Now that you look back, was it an aha moment? Was it like a, this is the moment we move forward? I felt that people were tired. I felt people were no longer taking any more of that nonsense from the cops. Mm -hmm. You know, we weren't doing nothing wrong. Right. There was no reason. We were just enjoying ourselves. Why do you have to raid ourselves, our, our clubs? Right. Why do you have to 
uh, deny our liberty, mm-hmm. our enjoyment. You know, people have taken enough. Then here was the mo- the black movement, right. the women's movement. I think it's about time maybe the gay movement started, and that's when it did. Did you think at that moment that, that that's what was happening, that a movement was starting? No, I just thought about that people weren't going to take more, no more abuse from the cops. Okay. So you felt that from them? Yeah. Did you feel that from yourself? I Did felt, yes. People, you know, we protest things that were going on. Right. Even if you got arrested, like, you know, like semi-drags. Yeah. They would throw it out of court. Right. So why waste our time? And, you know, we were, we were just going out to enjoy ourselves. Mm-hmm. Why you got to waste our time if we weren't doing nothing? We weren't breaking the law. Right. We weren't robbing anybody. We were just having a good time for ourselves. Do you think that that was the moment that that the LGBTQ community actually came together, actually united, and it and it wasn't you know the lesbians, the gays, the trans. There was a form of unity there, yeah. where we weren't taking it anymore. Right. You know, because once the cops came and then people started coming, mm-hmm. you know, it it just became like. And in about five, ten minutes, the crowd got bigger and bigger and bigger. Did you ever join in? Well, I joined in as far as, you know, protesting and yelling Mm -hmm. and running away from them when they were chasing us. And here we are chasing them again because we just made a complete circle. That's the way the the village was situated. You know, the streets are like that. Were you ever afraid? There was some sense of fear because we didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't feel insecure. I just felt nervous, but not fear, fear, fear. Right. There were too many people. So you kind of felt the support. What was the... I felt, you know, I felt some support. Hey, we're among ourselves and we're fighting for our rights. What was that feeling in the air? Was there, was there like an unspoken, like, like empowerment? What what did that feel like? It was a form of empowerment, you know, to fight back. Mm -hmm. It It was a form of empowerment to fight back for an injustice. Once that brick broke that window, yeah. once that lesbian got punched, and people started protesting about that, because it was right outside. Yeah. Once that lesbian got punched, I said, that's it. And some people say that it was six days long, four days long. How? how it was actually three days long, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And were you there every night? I was there f- Saturday night, but it was kind of really, really wild, more cars burning. Okay. You know, I, I could say that We've won many battles, but the war keeps on. Yes, it does. A lot of people think that uh, the gay movement's over because of marriage equality. No, that's not true. You know, right now we have uh, trans women of color being oppressed, uh, immigrants being oppressed, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if they're from different countries being oppressed. They can't get a job. They can't do anything. These people are coming here for their livelihood, to send money back home. Um, women of color are getting murdered, uh, overkilled for who they are. Yeah. A- a- it's a, that's an injustice. Right. What now? What's the next step in the movement? The next fight that needs to be won is for the queer community to come together, to really come together mm-hmm. and get Agent Orange out of the White House. Okay. And as a matter of fact, that's one thing that uh, Silver on her dying bed always told me. Mm-hmm. She says, um, she always called me Vicky. <sighs> but that day she said, Victoria, 
I says, yeah. I says, sit down here. And she says, try to keep the community together because we can be our own worst enemy, but there's power in numbers. And they will invent words that will keep us apart and divide us. And if they divide us, they're going to conquer us. Yeah. We have allies. So try to keep the community together. Is that a message you want to keep preaching today? I'm always saying that because that's the truth. And I promised her in her dying bed okay. that I would, you know, do exactly what she asked me to do. Is that unified feeling? Have you felt that in the last 50 years? I felt that we're dividing ourselves more okay. with these new words that come into vogue now. Like, there's so many alphabets in this <laughs> LGBT soup. Yeah. That is just splitting us more. Now this word cis, cis man, cis woman. To me, it sounds like a rattlesnake getting ready to strike. Mm -hmm. Or sissy. Right. You understand? Yeah. These words are meant to divide us. And once they divide us, they're going to conquer us. So we have to keep the community together. We do have allies out there. We want to thank you for coming in, Victoria. Thank you. Relive the history, hear the stories, and be inspired. From Stonewall to marriage equality, 50 years of pride at 1010wins.com slash pride. I'm Sweetina Kakar. Kakar.